podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system, DLS. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. Um, we have previously posted a pilot episode and we got very encouraging response from our uh, friends and uh, a couple of listeners worldwide. Uh, so welcome to the first official podcast uh, of the Armchair Cricket uh, Show. And uh, well, I'm your host, Ajit. I am an expat in the Netherlands and I'll be joined by a few guests who are also cricket enthusiasts, and uh, we will discuss the ongoing events in the world cricket. We are uh, effectively cricket uh, purists, we would like to call ourselves that. So our focus will be mostly on the uh, long format of the game, but we will occasionally pick up uh, some stories or some series about the shorter formats, including the ODI and T20s. So without uh, much further ado, I would like to introduce you to my guest today, uh, Giridhar whom I'll call Giri. Hello, Giri. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Ajit. Um, uh, thank you for having me here. Um, I'm Giri, uh, also an expat living in the Netherlands. Uh, like Ajit, uh, I'm also uh, a fan of the purest form of the game, the test cricket. Um, so hopefully we can have a lot of uh, chats about ongoing test series uh, around the world, along with other things like Ajit, Ajit mentioned. Uh, look forward to this uh, conversation, Ajit. Stage is yours. Thank you. Welcome. So, um, before you go any further, uh, we have a little bit of uh, feedback from our friends. Uh, and uh, there were some small corrections that were pointed out to us. So, I would like to start off with that. In the previous episode, while discussing the fact that Ali Cook, Alistair Cook was knighted, I think we may have given out the impression that uh, him and Botham were the only two England cricketers that were knighted. This is uh, this is not right. I looked it up, and there are as many as um, yeah, up to fourteen people, fourteen English men who have been knighted, and I think there was also one English woman who was knighted. So uh, again, something we can look it up uh, easily on Wikipedia. I see very famous names in this list. It, it should, should have been obvious to us while discussing that there should be have been more. So uh, there is Gabby Allen, there's uh, Alec Bedser, there's Neville Cardus. There's uh, Colin Cowdery, who was then created the Lord Cowdery of Tonbridge after being knighted, of course. Then there's uh, Jack Hobbs, there's Len Hutton, there's uh, Francis Eden Lacey, there's, uh, I think, Henry uh, Grisham, Leverson Gower. These are, I think, the people who are probably more in, uh, involved in the administration side. And then, of course, there's uh, Frederick Charles Toon and uh, Plum Warner, some very interesting people. Uh, these were the, let's say, uh, the people who have been knighted. Also, there's uh, 
uh, Ian Botham and then this uh, Fanley, uh, this thing Francis Stanley Jackson who was incidentally if I, I think this might be an exception Francis Stanley Jackson because he was later the governor of Bengal in the 1920s and 30s so that's very interesting i think he might be one of those people who played cricket and then successfully transitioned to a political career much like the current prime minister of pakistan or uh, another example that we may discuss later in this podcast so it's very interesting that uh, there are quite a few people who have been recognized for their services and uh, there was one indian who was recognized, who was also knighted who in india actually uh, so would you would you hazard a guess who that is i don't know if you already looked it up giri no i haven't looked it up to be honest uh, would that be uh, ranji eh that's a good guess but no so this is at the time where there were little kings and baronets in india who sort of received right. this so it was maharaj kumar of vijayanagaram who was oh. i think the first uh, i think the f- uh, he led the indian first tour to uh, england in the 30s and he was knighted okay. uh, by for, for uh, that this, reason I think so. I mean, <laughs> the part of services. Uh, the fun part is he officially renounced his knighthood after India gained uh, its independence. So this is something much else. Like, uh, much like uh, Rabindranath Tagore. Yep. And uh, Rachel Hayhoe Flint, uh, probably the most uh, influential women's cricketer there ever has been, was created the Baroness Hayhoe Flint of Wolverhampton because of her uh, services to uh, cricket. And I think this is the uh, only uh, lady who... lady cricketer who's been recognized as such so that's something worth mentioning so this is a small correction that have been that has been brought to our notice also uh, i think i claimed uh, uh, bob willis was the last fast bowling england captain a friend pointed out later that it was not just bob willis andrew flintoff even though he was an all-rounder was effectively a fast bowler and he was the last england captain who was also a fast bowler i think he led the england tests uh, england in tests and down and uh, fairly disastrous ashes series mm. i'm not wrong 2011 so that was him and then uh, i think broad did some captaining in the t20s as well so england have experimented with their fast bowlers being captains uh, i think this came up while discussing australia mm. trying to choose never been a successful formula uh, fast bowlers and yes, uh, captains yes. i mean, uh, I mean they, 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 mm. it sort of it sort of makes sense these are the most injury prone people what i mentioned yeah. previously so, yeah. yeah and the other i think correction that was pointed out is that uh, we got the venues wrong for the tests uh, the remaining tests at that point in time between uh, south africa and pakistan just a small heads up those were some corrections so i would like to again say thanks to our uh, friends and listeners who pointed these things out to us so now let's go on to the topics at hand so first we will go through the Um, these are ongoing test series out there and then any other test or one day series we would like to discuss so the first one as we self proclaimed india cricket fans so the first one would be the india australia test series so giri uh, we've had four days yeah. of mm. a very interesting uh, yeah two days two sessions of play lost on the fourth day and uh, india have enforced follow on uh, in the mm. fourth test so it looks like uh, for now australia heading into the last day are about 318 runs behind and or 316 runs behind they are effectively a 6-1 no loss in the four, third innings yeah. and they'll need to make more than 320 to make it a bad again let's say like that so uh, for now uh, what are your thoughts on this what are your thoughts well um, the only thing i can see happening uh, from an australian uh, from australia's perspective is they have to bat out three sessions if they can 
So I, I, I don't think uh, um, there is any other option for them. They just have to save this match and save their face because it's, it's going to be 2-1 at the end of the series if they can save this match. Uh, having said that, uh, we've seen that weather had a, play, a part to play uh, yesterday on the on the fourth day. So it rained for quite a bit, and then there was uh, outfield also wet, also got delays because of that. So they can. Uh, I don't know if we can rely on weather. I don't think that's the right approach. If you're a true Australian, hard-fighting Australian cricketer, then you would look forward to fighting the day out. You know, uh, finishing. Uh, Unbeaten uh, towards the uh, by the end of the day. Um, so, but apart from this, uh, you know, uh, apart from them being able to save this Test match, it's been quite uh, quite a bit of an uh, anticlimax, if you ask me, because I always expect Australia to come hard at us, come hard at India or any team that visit them. This has been kind of very meek. Um, the way the series has progressed, especially at the end of the series, this last. Test match at uh, SCG. I think the bowlers were completely worn out. Uh, Fetty also coming in. So I think uh, they should be happy with a draw. But let's see what go, what happens then. Uh, if India has another twist, um, you know, if if the bowlers can come up with something, if it has rain, if there is some movement available for the seamers, or if Kuldeep is again effective, like he was in the first innings, it's going to be uh, interesting. Um, from an Indian perspective, I would say, go for the win. Give it your all, because this yes. is your best chance to come up with 3-1. You know, that's amazing. It has never happened. Uh, indeed. Uh, indeed. So, I mean, it's very well poised at the same time. It's, it's, uh, yeah, uh, down to Australia now. What, what can they do? What can they do? I was looking at the weather forecast for tomorrow. So, it looks like there's a 23% chance of uh, precipitation, but it'll be cloudy all round. So, effectively, uh, let's say it gives us India about, uh, at best, 98 overs to bowl Australia yeah. out. Mm. Uh, it's sort of unexpected that they lost about two sessions of play. So, on the fourth day, uh, only about 24 overs effectively were bowled. And Australia lost all their first innings wickets and were bowled out for 300. Correct. And then uh, they uh, finished 6 for no loss uh, in this followed on innings, the third innings of the game. So here, I think uh, one thing worth mentioning is that this is the first time since 86-87 that Australia has been asked to follow on at home. So that's a nice, that's a nice achievement from the Indian team, I would say. So that's something they can be proud of nonetheless. So uh, if there was enough time, I think Kohli would have batted out those two sessions and um, given his bowlers a bit of respite. Given that they didn't... Uh, have to bowl a whole lot today. I think it makes sense that then follow-on is enforced. So, yes, you're right. Uh, at least from the weather perspective, it may hold out tomorrow. India may get the best part of the day or most of the day to enforce a result. And the 3-1 result would be a very deserving result for India in this series, is my opinion. They've played really well. So, just to look back at what happened on this test. So, uh, again, uh, you know, India batted uh, really well in the first innings, which has been sort of the cornerstone of the last two tests as far as India is concerned. So, they put up a large total, 622 for 7. And I think uh, Pujara again stood up to get counted. And I think the the first first two sessions of the first day were very instrumental for me. The way Agarwal and Pujara set up the total was very good. I, I, I saw that uh, Australians did bowl with quite a lot of aggression in the first two sessions. There were quite a few body blows. Uh, literally, I think Agarwal took a few. Uh, Pujara got hit on the helmet. I think Pujara took one also on the body. So they sort of stuck it out. 
I thought they bowled, they batted really well. And the other thing is in this test, you can see that uh, they had read the pitch quite right and uh, they were able to score at more than 3.3 runs an hour or throughout. And then uh, you see, of course, uh, Agarwal fails. He tries to, he, I think he did the right thing, trying to dominate Lyon very early in his spell, not letting him settle down. I think that was a team strategy. And he's a, yeah. he's a very natural striker of the ball. So I think that was his role, let's say. Unfortunately, Having already hit 1-6 that over, I think he went mm. for one too many. And he was dismissed for 77. But uh, we'll, mm. we'll pass this on the side. We can discuss Agarwal when we look at the whole series. But I think he's been one of the plus points for India in the series. True, true. Very true. Yeah. Then, of course, Pujara batted on and on and on. And then he had Kohli for a while, Rahane for a while. Uh, both scoring mm. 20s. 18, I think, Rahane. And um, Vihari uh, helped him uh, wrap the day up very nicely. Uh, uh, so... He was also looking very steady, Vihari. He looked like the right sort of foil as far as uh, Pujara was uh, concerned. And uh, the, as usual, Pujara sort of, the moment he finished 50 or got to 50, 60, he started accelerating. And he was doing a very good job, especially the way he played Lion. Again, something we can discuss uh, later. He's, he played Lion so well. I saw him advance to Lion. I think out of every four to five balls he faced, three balls he would advance at Lion, making sure the length that Lion bowled was completely relevant. He used to work him through extra cover or mid-wicket, almost Lakshman-like, if I may use yeah. that. You know? So, I think uh, if, if you uh, if you look back uh, in the series, I think Cheteshwar Pujara was one of the only few batsmen who actually uh, came down the wicket to Lyon more frequently than anybody else. Oh, well, I mean... Yeah, uh, because I think it really hurt Lyon. He couldn't get his length right. Uh, yeah. And he had to get Lyon thinking. Otherwise, uh, I, think, I think they have completely blunted out Lyon. Uh, they were able to at least. Uh, oh, in the second, in the third, and the fourth test, that's a big factor for me as well. Yeah. They did really well. The other guy who batted very adventurously was, of course, Rishabh Pant. This is this is a coming man of Indian cricket. Another bonus for us from the series, because he's he's 21. I mean, look at the way he played. He's he's become the first Indian keeper to have scored 100, both mm. in England and now in Australia. For all the tours yeah. we've done. Never but, was a wicketkeeper who had scored 100. Can you believe that? And this guy has done it in this first year of international cricket, or first year of test cricket. That's he always fun. promised this. I mean, uh, if you look at the whole series, he yeah. had a start in every innings. He played 25-30 in every innings. Yeah. I think the only issue was that he was mostly batting with the tail. And then he had to change his game. He had to play a bit more aggressively or keep uh, strike and that kind of stuff. So he was not allowed to please play his uh, natural game, I think. And it, I think with batting with uh, Pujara helped him do that. So he was able to take time, you know. He, he played a long innings, real proper test cricket. Indeed. Uh, and I think that that really is a tribute uh, to his talent because he played really well and Australia were demoralized at the end of it all. You know, this guy yeah. is yeah. probably... It's too soon to say this, but... Uh, we see shades of Gilchrist in this guy. That 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 level of that level of game-changing ability we see a bit in this guy. So uh, this has to be nurtured and made sure it has to grow in the right way. But that's a very very positive thing as far as Indian cricket yeah. is concerned because um, he of course had Jadeja to back him in the last. I think they hit 200 in a matter of a session and a quarter or such. Yeah, that yeah. completely deflated uh, the Australian attack and. Uh, ensured India finished uh, 600 plus and still were able to let Australia bat for a few hours on the end of the second day. That, that mm. is very important. So that sort of dominance, the moment you score 600, it's very highly unlikely you will lose your test match. The test match is safe. So yeah. they have done really well there already, but also they ensured Australia bowled more than 160 overs mm. consecutively in consecutive innings 
Only twice has it happened in the last 50 years, apparently. Can you guess when was the last time? When was the last time? <laughs> yes. I have no idea, man. No, no. Okay, it's, it's more yeah, of, okay. the moment I say it, you're like, ah. So would you like to take a guess? Uh, Australia bowling. So, in Australia or outside of Australia? It, it, there is a, it's outside as well. So Yeah, it could is, be then Eden Gardens then. Exactly. So that yeah. series where they, yeah. uh, the series in uh, India in 2001 where yeah. uh, in Eden Gardens, in then they followed it in Chennai where in consecutive tests, if I'm not yeah. wrong, they had to go for the third wall. So this is the important thing. So oh, when you amazing. make a team yeah. bowl more than uh, 160 overs, officially taking a third wall, that's a statement in itself that usually breaks, uh, especially if it's near the end of a series, it can break teams. Uh, that that's what they they did here. I, I really like that. This is proper test cricket. They made sure they bat, batted out two days. Now maybe they will not have to bat again. You know, all that is there. But also they made sure Australian fast bowlers had to do it, or Australian bowlers had to stay on the field for uh, four days in a row, or you know, four days in six, eight days of cricket. You know, that's fantastic. So uh, if you do this in the first or one or two tests, you could even wrap a series of four nil. You know, this is probably the next step as far as the Indian test team is concerned. Something yeah. they're learning, they're growing. Uh, you know, you you could just forget that they were playing in Australia the way they're playing for a while. You know, it, it could be anywhere. It could be on uh, on your own pitches. They were so dominant here in this test match. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, on the third day, Australia came out fighting, which was expected. Um, Harris played really well. Kwaja actually played really well as well. I think he sort of, in a moment of lapse of concentration, he hit to mid-wicket and was dismissed. Otherwise, it looked very promising, the first wicket stand of 72. Following which, I think, uh, again, Harris and uh, Labushkagni, or Labushain, the way they pronounce it. So, this guy played really well, and they sort of set up a very nice total. Australia was 1 for 125, 126, something like this. They were really good, set set up for, you know, matching India, if required. That's when sort of uh, two things happened. One is, um, Harris sort of, of course, dismissed Jadeja playing a very loose stroke, something. It was not much of a very good ball. It was inside edge, not to the stumps. It was very unfortunate. But he was out that way. Then, again, the middle order was exposed. Here, you see, um, there was nobody there to capitalize. In, in in the Indian case, you saw, even though Kohli and uh, Rahane failed, we had a lower middle order who were ready to capitalize on a very good start. And the most important thing there again was Jadeja. Uh, sorry, it was uh, Pujara who stood there, you know. Uh, top three batsmen staying there, nearly scoring 200 runs, ensuring that this dominance continues. This did not happen. So Australia finished 236 for six at the end of the third day, and um, sort of by then you can see if you're if you are even 230 for three uh, or 230 for four max, you, you'd still think you know you could extend it to 400. You could take it to enough of a place where India would have to bat again. But that went out of the window because they were six down and Pat Cummins was already batting with uh, Hanscom. Uh, what do you think of Hanscom's inclusion at uh, Mitchell Mars's expense for this test? Uh, well, and hmm? yeah, go on. No, I think Hanscom was uh, brought in because of his supposedly good ability to play spin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, has he done well enough? I'm not sure. I think it's well, still uh, 37, 30 odd runs. It's not much. He may have who, a, who else did they have? Who else did they have apart from him? Maybe Maxwell. Yes, yes. I was yeah. there. I mean, I don't yeah. know what, what this guy has done, really. So, uh, I don't think they handled him right at the beginning of the season. But this was a chance to sort of correct it. Because yeah. nothing against Hanscom. He's a good player. And he is very good at spin. He's good, very good at playing spin. But he went back to BBL, hit a couple of really quick innings there. And then he was brought back. I mean, I don't know if that was the case or if it was just his ability to play spin. But... 
Maxwell is still sitting on the sideline. He's waiting, this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he has done his part also in BBL. He was also the captain of a BBL team. I think they, they, they're doing okay. And more importantly, this would have given him the right sort of a message. This, again, was another opportunity missed, according to me, from the Australian selector's perspective. He could have been your, you know, what role Pant played. It could have been Maxwell there. And he could have done a similar sort of a thing. He scored 120 out of 150 balls or whatever. And that would have given quite a lot of, you know, Australia could have gone to 450 even, possibly. But they missed a trick there. And look, Hanscom is good. He scored 37 runs, but it took him nearly 120 balls, 110 balls. And there's nothing wrong in that. But he could not dominate the attack. He was playing a standard test match innings. There is nobody to hit out on the other side. So, uh, the other thing that uh, Australia could do was repay India in their own currency. That is, make their bowlers toil for more than 150 overs or whatever. In this case, they were able to last only 100 overs over two days. So, that was not too, even three days, that was not too taxing on the Indian bowling attack. That's one of the other reasons why Kohli was so confident enforcing the following on. You know, if Australia had played out those additional 40 overs, they would have ensured... India would have been considering batting. And given that a lot of time was lost in Sydney on the fourth day, it would have made sense that maybe Australia could have easily pushed for a draw here. Now they still have their backs to the wall because if the weather holds out, they still have to bat out 98 hours on the last day against a very rampant Indian attack. This is not something you take lightly, right? Mm-hmm. So the other thing, of course, is uh, for me, the way the Indian spinners bowled uh, on the fourth day and the third day. They were very good. I thought Kuldeep Yadav was fantastic. He got a bit of uh, luck in the way, let's say, uh, Khwaja was out. Yeah, just hitting out to mid-wicket. Mm-hmm. But I was very impressed with the way he bowled. Fantastic control. You know, Rispin is it's a very tough proposition. I bowl a bit myself. So, uh, it's, it's very tough. But this guy was bowling fantastically. Nobody could actually pick him effectively. So, the most important players of spin in that lineup for me was Marsh, Khwaja and maybe even Hanscom, you know. And they did a very good job. At least uh, they would have done a very good job. But this guy bowled fantastically. Especially the way in which he dismissed pain and the way Lion was out. Uh, those were like typical riskiness dismissals where the ball is tossed up well outside your eye line or well above your eye line and the ball dips and uh, you're, you're not sure where it's going to pitch. At least uh, the way Lion was out, it looks like he could have referred it and could have got away. He tried to sweep. So, those are all classic dismissals. That filled me with a lot of hope. Look, this is his first innings bowling in Australia. And he scored, he's taken a 5R. That's fantastic. And he had the right guy on the other end, Jadeja, who was bowling so, as usual, doing the Jadeja thing, bowling on a template, bowling perfectly right there. And darts, there. those left-arm darts, yeah. Precisely. And no, yeah. but some of his dismissals were not as, let's say, simplistic as they looked. The way Sean Marsh was out, yeah, he was playing right. for a spin that wasn't there. <laughs> exactly. So, and uh, that that's still fine. So, uh, Rahane took a couple of really good catches, I thought. Yeah. The one of Marnus Labushain was a fantastic catch from Shami. It was very low down at uh, mid-wicket. I don't know if you saw it. It was, a, it was one of those yeah. things that you yeah. work on to get mm-hmm. in the wicket. It's almost this like was, arrest, yeah, you know? this was a la Aaron Finch uh, exactly. in the previous test, yeah. yeah where Mayan Kukul took that similar catch. Exactly. It was almost like that. And he yeah, they worked, worked him out. Yeah, yeah. The only thing is, uh, I think I feel a bit for Aaron Finch. I think he was a bit unfortunate to lose his place in this team. My changes would have been to play Glenn Maxwell in place of Peter Hanscom and retain Aaron Finch, if possible, at, I don't know, Mar- uh, Marnus Labishan had to Number play. Five. Yeah, 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 I would have played him in the middle order, 4-5-6. Yeah. Uh, 
and Travis Head, I think, has done enough to retain his place. So it would have been a tough call. But um, I would have actually uh, maybe uh, not played the head, maybe asked Kwaja to open, which he has done anyway, mm-hmm. and retained Aaron Finch. But it's, it's a tough decision. That that I completely concede. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that uh, Aaron Finch lost his place. But I think he may get another go. I would not completely write him off from this team. The testing or maybe he needs some uh, rest before the one-day series. Yeah, I mean, because he's I know, the captain he's, of the only one day. Uh, no, I think that's okay. You know, in Australia, they do they do think like that. But I think playing in a test match would have counted for a lot more, even for his confidence. You know, when you're on a high, suppose he had played in the four test matches, scored even a couple of fifties or such, confidently from middle order, that would have helped quite a lot for his own mindset. Because uh, we'll get into it later in the podcast. Their team has changed quite a lot. the ODIs, right? So, um, that's something he'll have to anyway deal with. And this conference would have helped him quite a lot. So, just to wrap up uh, the last test and we can get into India's games. So, the in the last test, what, are the, what is your prediction, Giri? India versus Australia for test? Um, I mean, it's going to be tough, like I said. Uh, but I'm hoping Australia will bat out the three sessions. All right. Uh, get something out of this series. Not end on a very uh, bad note, you know, in... Uh, Although I think um, India will snatch this. I think India will uh, be able to close them out, close them out. Yes. Then uh, pull out the next, yeah, re- remaining batsmen, whatever. I think 10 wickets, right? It's still no loss, no loss uh, at the end of yeah. uh, day four. So yeah. I'm hoping that happens because that's going to be very nice. 3-1 will be such a fantastic feeling to have. It's like winning the World Cup. Agreed. I would yeah. say, yes, that... Uh, I back the Indian bowlers to take the 10 wickets in the 90-odd hours. If, if they were to get a full day's play, I'm going to back the Indian bowlers to dismiss Australia again and win the Test Match 3-1 or Series 3-1 for India. So, let's see how it goes. But one way or the other, now if you were to just look, I think we discussed quite a lot of it already. But uh, some of the gains and uh, sort of uh, uh, from both team perspective, first, if you were to look at India, I think we discussed Mayank Agarwal. I think he's done a very good job. I think mm-hmm. he's sort of shown that he has a pedigree to be a long-term prospect as far as opening goes for India in test yeah. matches. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. At the expense of Vijay. So, I think he uh, Vijay probably has had his time. He yes. has had enough chances. Rahul, I think he still has a lot of potential. He's very young. And he has hit on the, I mean, test centuries also in Australia in his debut series. So, yes. he deserves he, a longer uh, run. I think the, uh, he'll be in the pool. Yeah. Let's say once Shaw comes back, I, I still see Shaw as the one of the permanent fixtures along with now Agarwal. So Vijay uh, is probably out of the picture, but uh, Rahul will stay. And mm. uh, these three will form, let's say, the fulcrum of the opening slot. For the yeah. yeah. I think India we'll... haven't had a proper opener uh, for quite a while, right? I mean, I, I think Gautam Gambhir and uh, Virendra Sehwag, those two were the uh, last known openers, right? Exactly. Sort of a stable... Yes. Stable pair, yeah. Indeed. So, these two can be that, Agarwal so, and Shah, or Agarwal and Rahul and Shah between them. So, it, it doesn't hurt if there's a little bit of pressure, you know, uh, on your, it's on your uh, yeah, it's good mm-hmm. that you are always on your toes and you're able to perform. So, that's good. But at the end of the day, I would very much like to see how Agarwal, they, I think he'll be a, in India, he'll be a bully. I mean, this is how I see it. Uh, with him, and He will boss around, he will boss around. Any spinner is, is going to whack him out of the park. So it is look at how we handle Alliance. Yeah, I mean, sorry, exactly. go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. The, the, you, you hit the point on the head because for me, when the fast bowlers are not as effective in India, I think this guy is going to be quite a handful along with Shah, who's 
who I was really looking forward to him playing. Unfortunately, he was injured out, but his time will come. He's very young. So, um, these both, I think they may be agenda setters as far as India is concerned. You know, it's like Allah, Hayden and Langer are one of those, mm, wow. any of those really marauding opening pairs out there in Test match history. So, these guys could be the next really positive Test match opening pair for India. You know, that's one thing. Then, of course, Pujara. I think he's my man of the series. Uh, he, I think he, he was <laughs> the real difference between the two teams, at least mm. in three of the four tests with his hundreds and the, his application. He showed how to play on that pitch. And uh, he held Indian innings together multiple times and or contributed to them building a very, very big total. All of these together, I would say he's, he, he's my man at the series. Uh, Bumrah did fantastically well. Uh, Shami did well in patches. Now Kuldeep has a 5-4. You know, Ashwin did well in the first two tests. But in spite of all this, my man of the series, as far as Indian team is concerned, is Pujara. And this guy is now, at least for me, put to rest all the doubts that there ever were about his batting. You know, three hundred. They should never have been. I mean, they should never have been such questions. Come on. Let's leave that in the past. Yes, I agree with you there. So, they shouldn't have been because he deserves his place on the way he plays. And there is still, he has shown that there is still enough enough room for an old world test match player yeah. in in a team uh, you know it's, it's yeah it's pure mental fortitude you know it's it's that kind of mental strength you you cannot have in every person you need somebody like that in your team there was Dravid previously and we remember the contributions and the number of series Dravid helped set up yeah. it, right yeah. so this guy be that he's already done it he's played yeah. some test setting so i think he deserves no more doubts in the way he plays and he should his place i'm not going to say should be taken for granted but he should deserve it on pure merit. There should never be yeah. a discussion going forward whether Pujara should be drawn for a Rohit Sharma or a Rahane. No, no. no. He, unless he's injured, he deserves his place in this Test match team. Yeah, this I think my, so. Yeah. And then Kohli, of course, did really well. I would say he won one Test match by himself, at least or contributed uh, when he hit 100. So, uh, he had Pujara with him there. But uh, Kohli did enough. For me, the biggest gain is the way Kohli's captaincy has improved in this series. Right? Um... He has, I, we saw some of these, we talked about dismissals about working out batsmen, you know, in a test match, old school way where mm-hmm. you plan it over three or four overs and then you slowly make sure the batsman is starved and then he makes this mistake of hitting to mid get up, gully or extra cover or whatever. So we see, we saw that sort of an approach. That's the, that should be the next approach. See, uh, I would never yeah. expect Kohli to be a completely intuitive, purely out and out intuitive captain a la Brendan McCullum or in his uh, in his pomp a little bit of Stephen Fleming card. no but this is still a guy who's learning the he's learned it well now and I think he's showing what he, he can be going forward um, the Indian test captaincy is a very contested uh, contested and a very tough thing to do but I think he's shown he's good to go another 3-4 years maybe even till the end of his career if he can stretch it out what do you think? Um, yeah I think I think he he sets the uh, right attitude he comes up with the right attitude for his teammates to follow so he's leading by example um yeah i think he has also got a good uh, backroom staff the coaching staff are also very good they are coming with coming up with right suggestions for him and he is able to implement them supported by his bowlers so i think he has got a really good team going uh, and uh, i think uh, the, the, i think there was an article some time ago uh, i don't know who wrote it but uh, the complete fitness regimen of the Indian team has changed ever since Kohli uh, has been the captain. So he has 
brought on a new culture of fitness so all your fast bowlers are really fit they can bowl flat out for uh, yeah 20 plus overs in a in a day that's very nice so i think all in all he i i have actually um i initially thought uh, that he would not be the right uh, captain for uh, indian cricket team considering his uh, uh, attitude back then not attitude but i can say behavior back then he was quite volatile he was very emotional but he has yeah. changed so i think on that front he has made a lot of improvement uh, also i would i would credit his uh, partner anushka sharma possibly maybe there is a role there for her uh, that she possibly yeah i think he, <laughs> he yes yeah, uh, uh, hmm. helps this but at the end of the day look we have to say all your points are very relevant indian team is more professional better drilled down more fit all of this thanks to the backroom staff and kohli's personal approach he brings this across to the team you right mm. also yeah so uh, you know in terms of volatility probably 3 4 years is usually or even 4 to 5 years is maximum as a captain of a test match team they say but this guy could 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 go on for a bit longer unless something really drastic happens mm. i would say he should be able to stretch it out another 2 to 3 years at least right how old is you know he's 30 just turned 30 just yes so wow the world is ahead indeed i think it's up three to three i think he can be captain for until at least 35 or so like graham smith for example yeah yeah that yeah, he could so. he could effectively captain 70 80 or more tests you know yeah. that, that, that's quite an achievement could be the most successful uh, test captain ever in india ever had he also so. yeah. i think matched ganguly in the number of uh, when he when he finishes test, i yeah. think when he finishes yes 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 he could very much finish as the most successful test captain for india he's already matched ganguly when it comes to the number of abroad overseas wins you know for india yeah. and i think that will be fantastic he, mm-hmm. he he will be going into uncharted territory as you say so he has quite a few things also from the one day and world t20 sort of mm-hmm. goals i'm sure but from test matches itself he may really be uh, the next milestone as far as indian captains are concerned that, that's something i'm really happy to see his evolution as a captain and of yeah. course i think he's at his peak as a batsman and i hope he continues mm. for a couple more years you know and and i think his team also uh, if you take the average age of the current indian team i don't think that it crosses 30 indeed so he has yeah, yeah. He, he has a team i think he can lead for another 2 to 3 years maybe a stable team with the yes. current set of players providing that their form uh, is good enough you know so, you brought mm. it so i'll i'll just quickly go there mm. is this team good enough to be the number one for a couple more years to come do you think can they sustain it they are already number one so yeah 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 that's the point can they continue well, can which is the next test series coming up there is nothing until the world cup i know uh, after uh, the world cup look it up as well i've not looked it up but okay uh, i think there will be something in india after the world cup probably and then uh, so there is not much test cricket to be played for the next half a year or so for india Uh, so it's going to be interesting so it will be a dormant period will they come back fresh after the world cup what's going to happen i'm not sure there's zimbabwe tour of india before the world cup where they play a test and three odis then there's the ipl then there's the icc test championship which officially kicks off in july correct so um then india tour west indies i'm just telling you in 2019 india has two more test engagements right one is the one off test against zimbabwe the other is a two match test series against west indies in west indies right then india tour mm-hmm. at that south africa tour india this is uh, october 2019 then in november bangladesh tour india and then in december west indies tour india uh, but west indies tour is doesn't have any test so as far as india is concerned they have 2 3 2 1 so in this year they will play um, nine more tests 
So it, it, it's very mouth-watering for me. Uh, all of those except the West Indies are at home. So that's very good. Um, so uh, for now, I think it's, it, 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 I would say they are very nicely set up. Um, India, India are visiting Australia again in 2020. The winter of 2020, they are visiting Australia again. Right? So I would like to see if they return to that tour as the number one team in world in the world. That would be fantastic. That's something I would really look forward to. So maybe, maybe this Indian team who have already been world number one for better part of a year, if I'm not wrong, I would be really curious to see if they can extend it to another two to three years. You know, all, all one of the real um, measures of being uh, great is also the longevity. Okay. Now, um, coming to the Indian middle order, especially guys like Rahane, how do you think they, they have done, Ajit? What's your opinion? So, for me, um, I was a bit disappointed with the way Rahane played. He's the vice captain of the team and we don't know his contributions behind the scene, of course. But I expected a bit more from this guy in terms of performances on field. I don't think he had even a single 50 in this series and that, that's a bit I disappointing. I think he had one. He had one. Okay. Yeah. But still, it's a, you know, eight innings, four test match series of such an important, uh, you know, a thing. He, he was not, he was a bit underwhelming, but that's okay. Uh, I think now if another, series goes like this, I'm worried his place in the team may come under scrutiny because he's coming off a very uh, narrow uh, patch of performance. Or a very yeah, but I, I think the way he played, uh, he was trying to counter-attack the Australian bowlers. Do you remember that? Uh, he, he did some uppercuts uh, against the fast bowlers when they were peppering him. Was that in uh, MCG? I think that was at the MCG. Hmm, hmm. Uh, he, 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 he tried to enforce things when the pace was really slow. I think that's so what I think he had a specific that. role. Mm, yes, maybe. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, but what I have seen previously in the other tours, if I remember right, he is successful when he is sort of an agenda setter. He will never be a pujara, right? He or he will never be one of those people who is going to block his way to a hundred in a day. For him, a very productive one and a half sessions is all he needs, mm. right? Mm. With that in mind, I would say um, that's his natural game. That's not a problem, mm. and sort of it fits into him being an enforcer, as you say. Uh, that's okay. Uh, for me, as long as he can perform, you know, score a very effective uh, 100 or an effective 80 or even a 70, uh, because uh, I think that was missing in the test match that India lost at on Perth, his contributions were sort of something that I felt uh, let India down, one of among many others, mm-hmm. let's say, right? So it was unfortunate that uh, he could not uh, count, uh, you know, stand up to be counted. That's okay. Then coming to Vihari, so for me, Vihari sort of uh, had a middling sort of a tour. He did play most of the test matches and uh, all of them, in fact. So uh, I think he, he, um, it was, he was asked to open. He tried his best. Uh, he looked good in the first two test matches. He looked good also in the last one, uh, where he was unfortunate to be dismissed on 42. It looked like because he was given out, it couldn't be pulled back. Or turned, yeah, turned out. Oh, yeah. Turned. So, uh, let's say, let's say, uh, for me, he did not come of age on this tour, but he has shown enough promise mm. that he deserves to be continued in the team. My most important uh, thing, uh, as far as Vihari for uh, me, is to not make the same mistake that was done with Karun Nair. Do uh, you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think Karun Nair deserved more chances. Uh, he was there with the uh, team during the England tour, but not given a chance. I think I have some... Uh, yeah, 
let me keep my remarks to myself i think <laughs> no, you can you can air them out okay that is our season of the podcast go for it yeah exactly but yeah. but then i think he he should have been given a chance in england they shouldn't have allowed uh, vihari to play they should have allowed karun to play them because he was also part of the team there and uh, he had scored a, he has scored a triple 100 uh, in test cricket so that's no mean feat even though it was in india i think it's still a long innings you should consider yes. those things uh, yeah he's he's only the second ever triple century right so exactly look, so um i put it like this i think there were more things going on than were visible in the england mm-hmm. tour we don't know what they are right mm-hmm. we may never know it that's okay but at the end of the day uh, he did deserve to play and maybe vihari sort of pipped him because vihari bowled or bowls right so maybe that was one of the things that worked in vihari's favor but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter when you have a guy who's already on tour and who's been sort of your squad he gets the chances the next cab of the rank as they say so um just coming back to vihari i would say this is a mistake i am hoping that the management does not do with him he gets a continuous run at least for the rest of this year if that's something is very idealistic but i hope so so there are many home tests he scores 100 he sorts of beds down and i've seen enough in this guy's batting and enough in the mm. way he approaches the game he has a temperament he has the right temperament for test cricket so exactly. that's good right and he he could form a very a very useful let's say middle order foil for uh, pujara or rahane or kohli in in a way and more importantly to the lower middle order when mm. pant attacks if this guy can stay on the other end and give him the sort of uh, stability him for example uh, between him and ashwin they could be mm. the ballast they could be the stable influences whereas jadeja and pant would attack so in an indian game you would expect both jadeja and ashwin will play and then that would make a mouth watering lord and lord for me mm. this could be the absolute perfect lord mid lorder you know yeah. this could most uh, champion test match sides always had a very strong lord mid lorder if you take the uh, australian team in the 90s to early 2000s right or whatever yeah. so they had gilchrist coming in and they always had a very attacking number 6 damian martin or you know darren lehman one of these guys who could sort of stabilize and on the other hand this guy would just tee off right gilchrist mm. So that's what does it leave where does it leave uh, Rohit Sharma then That is an excellent question because he he did a very good job as well in this test series I think in the couple of couple of opportunities he got I think his uh, uh, 69 in the third test was very important right mm. it ensured india scored 440 yeah. instead of 350 or some such yeah. you know yeah. that was good and uh, when it comes to those sort of things uh, I think Rohit Sharma did did enough again to be a part of the squad but mm. in india but will be part of playing 11 yeah yes i don't see him a part of a playing conditions because i think he was basically chosen on the store because he's he's a guy who plays uh he's a touch player he's a back also. yeah yeah and yeah. also he plays very well off the back foot yes so and uh, pulling and hooking and those kinds of things yeah. exactly and he has yeah. enough experience as an international cricketer now to suit his game uh, mm. given the pitch would be bouncy or whatever so mm. i would say he would be a part of the squad but he may not get to play many, many test matches going forward he would be one of those guys who would be in the squad who would get up game when one of the mm, regulars are injured or are um, i have are unavailable if i put it like that so mm. that's my count on rohit sharma so yes we discussed a lot on pant going forward quickly so uh, pant uh, i think is the coming man as we already discussed so i think we have said most of the things that we need to say about pant i'm really really excited about this guy and i hope he is able to translate the um, potential into a performance and a long successful career as far as indian team is concerned that would be perfect 
you know and he's also a good babysitter right so yes so he's already <laughs> he's also building on his credentials also, yeah okay. so that's nice yeah. now i mean there are other big people out there uh, ambani's daughter got married so he may have another opportunity later down the career to do some more babysitting you know and to a more uh, let's say uh, a slightly higher cost per hour or whatever so we'll see <laughs> so um at the end of the day uh, then that leaves the bowlers so for me uh, i would like to leave the fast bowlers to the end and bumrah to the last because i have a few things to say but how what do you think about the spinners so we have ashwin we have jadeja we have kuldeep right exactly uh if india are playing a test match in india i would always play kuldeep interesting and uh, it would be either ashwin or jadeja on the other end all right so i'm i'm uh, i i'm a really big fan of ashwin yes i hope he comes back uh, after his injury uh, layoff i don't know how bad his injury is uh-huh uh but ashwin is a match winner uh, yes. on indian pitches you know he has 300 plus wickets right so he's not is uh, um so i i would play ashwin and kuldeep in my test matches providing they are up to full fitness both of them jadeja is a good uh, uh, what do you call he can control the flow of runs he can bowl really tight lines not allow uh, batsmen to play any uh, loose shot not loose shots but uh, expansive shots he's is very good he's disciplined uh, but i would still i will have i would have ashwin and uh, kuldeep in my playing 11 um ashwin is how how old is he now 32 33 something like yeah, that yeah early 30 he has probably another 3 to 4 years left in his uh, ah years. maybe more he's more yeah he's a spinner okay okay, okay. yeah go on go on uh who else do we have uh, oh yeah we we also have yuzvendra chahal but he's he's not played a test cricket right is he, has he been uh, no i don't know i don't think they see him as a test mm. match option but okay. Mm, okay so to limit ourselves to the options that were used in the series yeah. i'm going to say Yes the spinners did a very good job Ashwin was good in the first two tests Jadeja was very good in the second the third and the fourth and Kuldeep has been as we discussed a revelation uh, as far as bowling in Australia is concerned so uh, I think they still have a very important job Jadeja and Kuldeep tomorrow to win the match for India but mm. my take is if I were to just quickly respond to what you said uh, as far as Indian pitches are concerned Ashwin is still the number one spinner for me mm. so he has his place and for me because he also bats you can you can have a batsman less you can play the five bowler theory you know it mm-hmm. helps right mm-hmm. but for me as a some point in time i think the previous episode we talked about it ashwin's uh, effectiveness is always more when there is jadeja on the other end who is able to uh, not give away too many runs and keep it very tight and jadeja himself is no less of a spinner on in- indian pitches because of the picking yeah. up at the fourth and the third fourth fifth days you know so he can be a match winner by himself for me therefore the top two spinners as far as indian playing conditions come in are ashwin and jadeja kuldeep will be the third spinner whenever there's a third spinner required but you could be right india could sort of you know throw it up there and say you three are the spinners for me any two of you three will play and leave it at that you know yeah and kuldeep is still young so he has uh, he is the future he is the he future. will be the future match match winner especially on indian wickets uh, even abroad see that's the point of yeah, yeah. that's yeah so, so that's fantastic so uh, for me i would say just what we discussed about these three guys the three openers would be uh, more or less same but ashwin would have a little bit of a more of a uh, seniority as well as uh, pedigree that he's earned his place in the team mm-hmm. so that's my take going forward so coming to the quicks so we had uh, i think the same three quicks more or less play every test if i'm not wrong so there was uh, i think umesh yadav and bhuvi did not was the only addition yeah 
Yeah, he played at Perth, but I think uh, that was the only occasion yes. when we had more. Uh, for me, and Ishan didn't play in SCG at SCG. Yeah, so. of course. No, but for me, look. So let's let's look at uh, Ishan, Shami, and Bumrah as our main fast bowlers, and we can just have a word on Umesh. For me, I'll do it right away because Umesh was a bit disappointing in uh, Perth. I thought he was a bit too uh, all over the place. He could not. He could not bring any sort of consistency. He was he was incisive. That's his role, of course. He's not expected to be consistent, but um, he was a bit too much all over the place for me, right? Uh, I think he may have let the ma- management down a little bit, in my opinion. But uh, when it comes to the other three, I think they are the main reason why India has won this Test match series. You know, the batsmen have been good. Batsmen have been good in the past. Never has an Indian captain had the luxury of such a sort of bowling attack. With him when he stored abroad, I think these three, and they have converted it into results. So I would like to squarely place this entire series victory on the shoulder of these three bowlers: Ishant, who's the let's say the workhorse, workhorse indeed, yeah. and but he's good with the new ball. He's not just a workhorse, but he's also very good with the new ball. And Shami complements him perfectly with his pace and incisiveness, but his effectiveness with the old ball. And yeah, Bumrah is second innings, of course, second innings. Yeah. And then Bumrah is the most complete fast bowler at this moment of time out there. It may change in the next Test match, of course, but for me, he has really been a revelation. I mean, uh, we have talked about it at length, I guess, in the last uh, episode mm-hmm. as well. But this guy may not have a long career, may not have a career of 100 Test matches, 80 Test matches. But if he's still playing 35 Tests, 40 Tests, 50 Tests, mm-hmm. if he's this effective every time. I would say, if possible, don't uh, go too much with him on Indian pitches. Let him play abroad, and let him get one or two tests in an Indian Test series, just like how you, what you're doing with Umesh Yadav. Treat him that way in, on Indian Test series. But when he's touring abroad, his he becomes very important. So if you could use those 30, 40 tests, even if it yeah. means for a period of seven or eight, ten years, that he plays abroad mainly. Just That's like Philander, just like South Africa do with Philander. Of course, but Philander is also very effective in home conditions. Subcontinent. Because. Yes, he doesn't have to play in subcontinent. I'm saying no, that's, Philander, yeah. his home is very effective. So Philander plays at home. No, I'm not talking about home. It's more more about pitches which are uh, supportive towards uh, fast bowlers or seeming. Exactly. So if you ever have a very fast Chandigarh pitch or a very fast pitch yeah. somewhere else, you know, play him. Yeah, exactly. that would be the one test match he plays every series. I think uh, in India as well, we have learned that you know, there is no point in preparing pitches that finishes uh, test match in three to four days, and you have to have enough balance. So mm-hmm. there would be at least one or two test matches a series where there is enough bounce and there is enough carry that a fast bowler is still in the game. Correct? That would correct. be the test match Umrah may play along with any other bowler that's ready. Uh, so for me, uh, that's how I would like to see his utility, so that he's a real. Test match winner abroad for India, and I would like to retain that. And if required, cut down his work in uh, IPL, cut down his work in one days, whatever it takes, man. You don't get test match winners like this. Test match winning fast bowlers for India. This is like gold dust. So I would say, please, please try to see how you can extend his career. We don't have to see him burn out in the next three four years of bowling all the time. I would rather see him seven or eight years get a fifty test match career, but a very effective one. Right? This is my take on Bumrah. Anything to add? Anything to Differ, agree? Of, no, I fully agree. I summed it up very nicely. Right. Uh, he, he, we have to preserve Bumrah. Uh, Bumrah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I, that's that's the main message here. We need him for the long run. Exactly. And I really hope the team sees it, uh, the um, the way I have been talking about it, and they are mm-hmm. able to give him 
more and more test matches abroad and sort of save him from the shorter formats and the T20 games. You know, let's see. Mm-hmm. All right, that was that. So uh, unless you have anything more to add, we can move on to the Australian team. Let's move on. All right. So with the Australian team, I would say uh, they're they're a bit underwhelming. We we knew uh, going into the series, India were the favorites for a reason, of course, right? But uh, I was hoping there would be more of a fight put up by this Australian team. What do you think? I'm really disappointed. I'm really disappointed because the the trio, the the fast bowling trio of uh, Stark, Hazelwood, and uh, Cummins. Um, I think we spoke about this earlier also, Ajit, uh, that. Stark was was there and then he was not there. So I think uh, that hurt them a bit because he is a tearaway fast bowler who can make an impact. And uh, how many wickets has he taken this series? I think it must be 12 or 13. Uh, yeah. We, we don't yeah. seem to remember uh, anything. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the point. So, you hit, yeah, he so. hit the nail on the head, I think, because he's been absent. That's the point. So he's the spirit of this attack, you know. Together, they are very exciting. Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins would win you matches anywhere. Even on a dead subcontinent pitch, I would back this uh, oh, this bowling attack to take wickets. So, this guy is no swing chicken. So He's had nearly 200 wickets. So, um, that's has, the thing. He has now. He has 200, right? No, he hasn't. Uh, oh, he's he still one shot. Okay. I think so. so wow. Look, in this okay. test series, he's taken all of six... I think he's been, uh, let's say he's been more effective than it comes across in uh, Perth and uh, Adelaide. But um, it's, 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 it's not, he's not really come out and taken those five hours or those real incisive spells that you expect from a guy of his pace, his, you know, uh, experience. Because Hazelwood is your banker. He's the guy that holds the attack in one place. Cummins and Stark are the attacking options, right? So Hazelwood is the long-term uh, Let's say prospect where he's like a McGrath, he'll keep one and tied up so the other guys can take the wickets. That's the place where he has sort of not delivered, unfortunately. I think Cummins had a very incisive spell. We all appreciated what he did on the third test, right? In spite of, uh, he took a six-part, right? So, and he's been very effective. Even though he's not taken wickets, he's been very effective. Hazelwood was sort of 80% of where he needed to be, but he was still there. He was more or less doing his work for me, right? The sort of together they could not really make enough of a impact. So he has taken, um, let's say, almost ten wickets this series. But that's that that in itself is not the most important thing because he's not had those fifteen twenty minute mercurial spells where yeah. uh, position loses three or four wickets. And you know this remark by Shane one uh, about Stark saying mm-hmm. that Stark uh, looks really flat. He's not trying hard or is uh, already given up something like that. And then Stark has responded saying. Uh, if I keep listening to Shane Warne, then I will have to retire. Exactly. Uh, he, so, has he has a point. He has a point. He was Go ahead. Warne was a bit harsh, I thought. What did you mm-hmm. think? He was harsh, but I was just pointing out the truth there. He, he's, look at uh, Stark's body language. His mm-hmm. shoulders had dropped. He was not really excited you know, when he took the new ball on. Especially with the old ball, when he starts reverse swinging. You know, the, he's very good with those full swinging yorkers. Uh, we didn't see a lot of them. I mean, he, he had kind of given up, I think. He, I don't know where his mojo went. Maybe there between, was between the Ashes and uh, this series uh, with India, uh, you know, in, in Australia. So in, in South Africa, I did see him bowl a very nice spell. Um, I think which test was it? Was it the second test match? I don't remember which one it was. Okay. But he had a very good uh, spell with the, uh, with the old ball, a lot of reverse swinging balls. 
Mm-hmm. After that, uh, in in this series, I didn't see a lot of reverse swing uh, from him. If there was some, it was few and far between, and they were not as effective as uh, they were earlier. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, rub things the wrong way, but no, is I it think... because of something that happened? Or something that has not happened? Not off the pitch. Uh, you know, uh, is this because of the way they have maintained the ball? Yeah, could be. Are you hinting at uh, his effectiveness was heightened with some, let's say, yeah. tactics? That when something came out, yeah. Good. When something uh, was brought out. Know. Yeah, could be man, could be. But I'm just thinking. Look, for me, mm. there are two aspects to this. One is the reverse swinging aspect. The other is the effectiveness. When it when it comes to his pace and his, you know, his body language being aggressive and him being, you know, very potent in his bowling. So uh, you are absolutely right. Uh, in my case, I don't think he the, his uh, effectiveness has been reduced by presence or lack of. certain tactics that may or may not have been used by the australian team previously but mm. i'm going to say his body language was down that's what i agree with you he didn't look like this guy who had who was in your face he probably is not always in your face but when you get that blood pumping and you when you get a couple of really good balls in the right place you see this test match dynamic changing when people like him are bowling that never happened in the series this i totally agree with you right yeah. something that probably he said just a quieter series i would say but it was unfortunately coinciding with the fact that the rest of the australian batting order was not firing and this guy needed to turn up badly so that's why it's it's shown him in a very wrong light or yeah, like, yeah. yeah? Mm. but i would say that's all there is to it and probably in australia look, i hope so i really yeah, hope so because i would really i mean i told you earlier i i also mentioned this in our first podcast that i really like fast bowlers real tear away fast bowlers doing well you know in test cricket yes yes uh, that keeps my i mean that gets my blood pumping as well i really like to you know I think like it's the to same see everywhere that, yeah everywhere yeah. people like to see so when for example speed. when kahis orabado is bowling uh, i really want to see him bowl you know i want to see those 5 6 6 over spell because uh, it's quite yes. exciting uh, so uh, i would really like to uh, see stark bowl there you know he come back uh, Yeah, yes, Australian Let's see what he does in Sri Lanka with Sri Lanka, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think they make a debrat effort. <laughs> all all the talk that's been going on, and yeah. uh, he has been fired up enough to go flatten out uh, Sri Lankans, which would be unfortunate. But I don't mind that. Uh, I'm happy as an Indian fan that didn't happen this series, and I'm also sort of, uh, you know, looking forward to him gaining back his mojo or getting his, you know, the yeah. edge back into his bowling. Right? Isn't this before. kind of happened also with uh, Mitchell Johnson uh, sometimes? But he was off, and then he was on again. It happens, man. See, yeah. even uh, I think Mitchell Johnson had all of 300 wickets or some such. I mean, uh, he played only 70, 75 tests. So I'm going to say, yeah, these are special bowlers. Sometimes you know they turn up and they can change the series in a matter of a session. Sometimes, or sometimes they don't turn up and mm-hmm. they're not as effective. This guy will never land it on a same pitch on the same place mm-hmm. every time. Right? So um, let's see, let's see. But yes, you're right. Their contribution. Was sort of not as um, as much as was expected because And I, I really have to mention this though. Uh, I read an article about um, Homer Chami on uh, Cricket Info uh, that he has bowled the most number of deliveries in a calendar year. Yes, uh, for a uh, for a seamer. Well done him, and well done the Indian uh, team management. Yeah, exactly. So, and he, he was also very effective, right? I mean, he's not like he's yes. leaking away runs on uh, one uh, one end while the other guy is. Uh, He's really always there or thereabouts. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. So, well, India did not do well that well in England, at, although the um, 
the end score line suggests that uh, <sighs> there was no fight between them but he did bowl well there it was not it was not up to the bowlers the bowlers were always there exactly. the bowlers were doing their work it so if, if you look at his body language it doesn't suggest anything at the same time when he comes out to bowl he bowls with his heart out i would that's what i would like to see from a fast bowler now that's what i read also kicking for right he is one of those mm. dream bowlers as far as a captain is exactly concerned. yeah you have two of those sharma aishan sharma and him yeah. so that's 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 why i said it's sort of ideal never has an indian captain had this sort of a lineup mm. Mm. okay so coming to that's, the australian mm. team so mm. yes the fast bowlers was not were not as effective but for me Lion sort of lost a little bit of the edge after the second test match. He he's taken 17 wickets in the first two tests. So we mm-hmm. were all sort of I was sort of very much keyed up hoping you know this guy would make the difference in the, in the next two tests which would be MCG and SCG where he would be more suited let's say. Unfortunately he couldn't carry that on and I think Pujara and uh, Indian batting has to be given a bit of credit in the way they handled him. Mayank, especially Mayank, Mayank uh, as well. I think it started with uh, uh, the MCG test where uh, exactly. Mayank took him out. Yeah. exactly so yeah. th- they did a very good job there and they made sure sort of his lines and lengths were broken and the drift he was getting was sort of taken out of the equation just it's a very confidence thing as well right sometimes it's mm. the same place you pitch but it's the way you're bowling that it helps so i think uh, the indian batting can take a bit of credit for that that they were able to take this guy's effectiveness out yeah. and also uh, between them the bowlers more or less did as much as they could but the batsmen never, never stood up so coming to the batting side of it Uh, they don't have a hundred yet in the series, if I'm not wrong. Correct? They don't have a hundred no. four match series, which is unheard of from an Australian batting lineup. Who are so effective? Their batsmen, their top four are enough most of the time. In a in any of the captain teams, they had Hayden, Langer, or Ponting. And if one of these guys missed out, there was always a Martin or a Gilchrist. If you go back all the way, even to the previous champion generation, there was always a Steve Waugh or a Mark Waugh, and they also had fantastic openers. right so uh, this is this is quite something um, they they kept out a generation of batsmen those those champion teams they kept generations of batsmen out because of their effectiveness so that was the thing that was missing here there was no agenda setting opener there was no middle order batsman who could seize the initiative so sort of they were lacking in many ways and it showed up it also showed up very clearly in the result so this has been the main the main problem for me they don't have enough settled positions in the middle order or at the top mm. who could make these telling contributions or who could take the fight back to the batting line yeah. uh, so it is the overall team that has failed yes not the individuals but the team uh, itself look taking smith and warner did not help at all those guys were sort of covering a lot of the deficiencies that were present in the team mm-hmm. now it has come into stark contrast that they are not there and stark is a pun intended i suppose <laughs> so um otherwise you would see that these guys were good these guys were so good that they were able to uh, cover up over all these small things they did lose three nil in sri lanka they did were not doing well in south africa preventing or leading to what happened right out there so i would say now it's it's, it's probably there at a, a low ebb i think they will bounce back but it may take more than just a couple of series is what i predict for the australian testing at least and right? tim payne tim payne do you think will uh, continue to be the captain this for the sri lanka series i don't think they will change that definitely yet. definitely the my opinion is he would go on but once smith returns by the time ashes comes around after the world cup right i would say smith will be forced in air quotes to take over because there are not enough results see you can be an australian captain only based on results it will never happen in australia that you do two tours lose them badly and you still retain the captaincy as it happened with india previously right so uh, 
it'll it'll just be brought into focus and they'll say thanks you're really good we would like to retain you in the team you're good as a keeper and as a senior statesman mm-hmm. but that's it thank you right that's that's how i expect it will go so uh tell me spoke about it or he said the temporary captain think he'll just become the senior coachman <laughs> in the team all right so um at the end of the day it's unfortunate he was not blessed with the sort of team most captains would like but then it's it's a transitional period right they have gone through a few of these australian teams in india he also gone through those but it's not been so stark Uh, from the crests and the the troughs as far as the australian yeah. team is concerned we've been there or thereabouts and sometimes when you don't perform too well people sort of say yeah 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 it happened even last year or last two years these guys have had uh, generations generations of champion batsmen and then suddenly when these troughs troughs happen yeah, there is a big void there i think they don't have a standout batsman at the moment exactly uh, we'll see uh, i'm hoping khwaja had a middling to good series i was hoping he would he would he would he much still do it he would score the first 100 of the series for australia he much still do it tomorrow and i'm hoping he, he does he still do it yeah indeed yeah yes. in right? one session <laughs> well one session may not happen but no. i think he will i'm just kidding <laughs> i know what you mean i think he'll just stick it out and uh, i would i would think him and sean marsh and uh, travis head and to a large extent even uh, marcus harris these top four or five would have to really stick yeah. it out more if they have to say right. right that's a good opportunity for all of them to get into the runs as well and address that so yeah that's more or less a round up so effectively who's your man of the series from india and from it has to be pujara it has to be pujara i i can't i can't uh, debate you on that at all for me it's pujara as well but maybe it's bumrah if you were to sort of because we are all Happy But Bumrah got only one wicket uh, in the first innings here. Yes, if you want to fair one for tomorrow. Okay. But I still think it it needs to be Pujara. He is the he, backbone of this. He was uh, he was the difference between the teams. He is my man yeah. of the series. Yeah. And for Australia, whom do you think is a man of the series? <laughs> Should there be one? Uh, shouldn't there be? I mean, I'm saying let's give the Okay, yeah. Okay. If, from a neutral perspective, I would say because of his attitude and uh, the way he uh, you know turns up every time he tries to bowl or bat it has to be pat cummins i guess so unless uh, you have a 110 not out or something from usman khawaja tomorrow uh, but i think i think uh, it will be in a losing cause even if usman khawaja is uh, going to make that well man let's call him usman khawaja we are from the subcontinent because he's usman khawaja because he's not usman or osman but it's khawaja so whatever you might khawaja. yeah okay i have to do all right Yeah, I think I started it. I just called him Khwaja, and I think you followed it up. But he's Khwaja. So, anywho, um, so now if we are done with this, Giri, let's go on to the next one, which would be the Sri Lanka. Sorry, the Pakistan and South Africa test. Shall we go there? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So uh, while we were uh, sort of recording this, we see that South Africa have wrapped up the second test match. and uh, they scored the 40 runs required uh, with a little bit of drama i think uh, hashim amla was injured out and they lost a wicket i think uh, markram was injured in the fourth innings so theonest brown was pro- promoted to open but he couldn't last too long and he was out so effectively south africa now 2-0 and very much headed towards the 3-0 what i had predicted a bit cheekily in the previous episode so what do you think of pakistan's performance this test um first innings disappointing second innings impressive because they fought back well yes uh, and that's it i mean they lost it in the first innings yes i sort of agree with you so here 
uh, unfortunately their first innings uh, total was too too less 177 on that pitch it was a spicy pitch that they, they got the worst of the conditions as well because south africa won the toss and inserted them in but that's it that is just match cricket doesn't it you have to play out the first couple of sessions on a very spicy pitch if that's what is required but then if you get 400 with the attack you have you are able to sort of stick it to the opposition so they missed out on that again shan masood was good in the first innings uh, sarfraz ahmed finally shrugged off a bit of the wave yeah but i'm really unhappy the way uh, he got out it was a reckless shot he shouldn't have been playing that shot sarfraz sarfraz yeah How, how was I, it again? Caught I think he was caught behind. He was caught behind. He, he went ah, after yes. a wide I, one. Yeah. I think he tried to get one too many behind point, sort of stand up and try to glide it down backward of Kali points. Mm. You know, and I think he nicked it. He yes. was able to score some runs, of course. Uh, but then I think he had a start. He should have continued because Amir on the other end was taking a lot of blows. Yes. Duan Olivier. Wow. He was. Oh yeah, man. This guy was hostile. Hurt. He was really hostile. and amir was taking so many balls and was still continuing so sarfraz should have thought more about uh, thought more before playing that shot because i think amir he should have supported amir they could have I they could have gone beyond 250 if, if they had uh, played together exactly. for some more time Another no time. i would have i would have thought they were capable of more if you remember in mm-hmm. my mind i almost went back to this perth test match a few years back with dumini and uh, stein if you remember they were able to bat so they were in a similar sort of a position but it was a second innings and mm-hmm. i think dumini scored a 170 or 160 and stains to scored a 60 plus and that changed the whole complexion of the test match and they won the test match mm-hmm. right so i was so hoping this would be one of those instances because that would have been a fitting reply from a pakistan team where these guys are sort of stuck but uh, they find themselves they always are able to fight out of a corner that's always been the hallmark of a pakistan yeah. team that mm-hmm. was I almost was like so hoping guys come on this is it this is it you are you've got the bit in between your teeth yeah. you just have to go through it another session you play out you'll get to a point where exactly yeah. you top unfortunately it didn't happen and you know this happened uh, sometime in india i think maybe 20 years ago in india during the 99 series i think pakistan were down to 20 odd for 5 or 6 Yeah. And then they fought back to around 200 moin khan i think made a played a century or something like that yeah So I was expecting that kind of fight back. So I, uh, Sarfraz Ahmed should uh, do better than that. He's the captain, I know, but as he was, he was playing as a batsman on that occasion, he should have done uh, better than. Agree, agree with you. So they they left too much of a gulf. I think they started really well on the second day, and they sort of reduced South Africa to four down, mm. even before the lead could be taken. But then there, I think exactly what those guys did. Fafdu Plessy and Bobuma. I think Bobuma has a very low average. I think mid thirties, but that's very well earned average. I would say he's never scored an easy run. I think all his runs are tough runs. Even in the mm. first Test match, he scored a tough Test century when the team was down, right? Mm, he and scored only one Test century, I see. So that's okay. But all of his runs were scored in crisis. Is what every time when you look at his scoring, if he scored mm. a fifty, the team was in trouble. <laughs> he did that again, but this time Fafdu Plessy was able to. Uh, guide him through those innings, and then that was the real difference there. Even Quinton de Kock couldn't do too much. He scored a 40 odd, if I'm not wrong. But uh, I think that performance widened the gulf so much that the lead was 250 plus, or you know, that's usually a match-winning lead, and they were able to indeed convert it. So uh, in the second innings, I thought Pakistan played really well. So again, Shan Masood opened and did a very good job. Ashraf Shafiq sort of. went out very bravely and uh, took took i think yeah, he was score, outscoring shan masood even though he got there to the pitch much later yeah. and then babar azam did his bit i think babar azam is the coming guy 
as far as Pakistan team is concerned. He may have put his, put his uh, let's say, hat square. He has been for some time. Yeah, but in the test matches, he's now maturing very nicely. Very nice. Also, in the first test, he scored a tough half century when the chips were down. This test, he's done it. That is the key. So, he's short of showing that his maturity... He, look, his talent is in, never in doubt. He, we have seen what he can do in the shorter formats. His talent is never in doubt. It's the temperament that you have to build. Or the temperament that you have to show that you are able to play when the chips are down. He's doing that. He's done this twice. Away, that counts for a lot for me. Right? He may have thrown his hat squarely in the ring as far as the captaincy options are concerned, but not in the short term. Maybe immediately after the World Cup. Right? Mm. This is my this is my take on it. So, anything to add as far as the batting lineup for Pakistan is concerned from you? Um, I think Azhar Ali is a disappointment. Yeah. 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 He should I, do better. He's the most experienced batsman, I think, right, in their team. So, uh, in the current lineup. I think uh, Shafiq was under uh, pressure. He has responded, but yeah. he to do more. Uh, we already discussed it in the last test. Yeah. Azhar Ali's struggles in this test match, his and Fakhar Zaman's, are sort of properly in focus of what's happening there. Azharali was worked out beautifully in both the innings by Duan Oliver. If you look at it, you know, uh, he sort of scared um, Azharali into sort of... Azharali's technique was all over the place suddenly. This is a guy who's played 60-plus tests. He scored a triple hundred in tests. This is no mug with a bat by any stretch of the imagination. But just the way Duan Oliver has roughed him up in the first two tests, his footwork was all over the place. He was, was looking like a leg before candidate. Because he was shuffling across, he was not getting forward or back decisively, you know. That is what a good fast bowler can do. This we have seen multiple times. I mean, Mitchell Johnson nearly ended the career of Sanatan Trot, right? So, it can happen. And Duan Oliver has shown that again. And just it probably adds to the excitement of why we look forward to fast bowlers bowling in tests, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, again, now segueing into um, Fakhar Zaman, it, uh, he's... I was hoping he would still get to open in this test or he was played down at number six in the second innings, which was a bit weird for me. But then he was, he, he had again a chance. Look, he was there at 200. His team was 200 and this was again a chance for him to score a, even a quick 50 or a 60 to show that he's there in the fight. Right? Mm. I, I don't care that the result would have really changed. But then it would have shown that his worth in the team is still valid and he's this, he has enough between his ears. Because that's all there is at the end of the day in a test match, I would think, in a pressure situation. And he failed to show that temperament. That's unfortunate for me. Right? So, yeah. uh, bowlers of South Africa? Bowlers of South Africa. Duban Olivia. Yep. It's all yeah. about him for me. Again, it's another five more yeah. wickets in this uh, match for him. And a lot of menace, a lot of threat. Wow. Right? And Dale Stein also bowling at full throttle. That was a pleasant sight. He took another 4-4. Four, four. He was, in fact, very unlucky. I saw a major part of, or I heard a major part of his spell yesterday. And uh, I think he was very unlucky to not take a 5-4. Yeah. But this is this is the sign of the old. This is really That's the sign of the old. Nice. And I hope, you know, another 10 tests, at least, 15 tests at least from him we get, you know. And wow. uh, it, it was very fantastic. It was very good. Sort of, Philander was feeling his way in. But between yeah, the other he, three, they had right. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, Olivier it was very costly in the second innings. Uh, he was uh, tonked around a bit, but that's okay. He had enough menace to rough up a few of the batsmen and made sure that they would not score a 400 or some such. Now, on that pitch, I think a 175 would have been a very tough target in the fourth innings. Yeah. I think uh, between them, they ensured that that would not happen and they hardly got a target of 40-42 and they were able to chase it off. So, kudos to South Africa. I yeah. Wish. 
the, 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 look at their bowling lineup now. Philander, Stein, Olivier, Abada, and when Engidi is fit, they all are fast bowlers. They lose a few to call pack and all these things. They don't care. They have enough. Yeah. So I wow, that's amazing. That's they really to, uh, to their potential. And Rabada, of course, is always there in your face. And I so, love that. I love his attitude. Yeah. You know, he has to be penalized every now and then, just trim off the excessive aggression. But that's what you need in a fast mm. bowler. That uh, that uh, you know, nostrils flaring up with the anger in his face, <laughs> a little bit of a you know a banter occasionally with the batsman. I really love that. I think. I think he had something to say to Muhammad Amir, and I think uh, one of the batsmen, I think, just gave him a smile when he was dismissed. There was nothing more to be said. Yeah, happy <laughs> that he got out. <laughs> I think it might have been Hassan Ali. I have to check who it was if I can look at the dismissal second. Oh God, it was not. He was happy because he was so thoroughly worked over, and he just gave him a smile. It was a fast bowler to fast bowler acknowledgement of my God, man, you've done well. You know, it was it was nice to see that on field, uh, you know, acknowledgement. It was very nice. It was very nice. Yeah. So anyway, that's that. And uh, I would say fast bowler was the man of the match, second uh, match, and deservedly so. I would say, and. Uh, I think they're still hurtling towards a 3-0. Do you see any changes there? Do you see? Do you think that will change? Uh, no, I think Pakistani batting really needs to respond. I think they have good enough bowlers, uh, but the batting has let them down uh, so far. Agreed. And so, Joe Berg is—I don't know how the pitch is going to play this time because last year, uh, same time around, India South Africa was quite a tough pitch. Yes. Uh, if it's if it's anywhere near that. Huh? We're going to end up so with some broken fingers here and there. I think. Uh, I think I don't. I don't really expect much of a change, right? Mm. I hope so. so. I hope so. You should toughen them up. You know, you should also play on good, uh, hostile pitches. So yes, I mean that's also a challenge, right, for the batsman. You don't have to have 400 plus 450 every time. It can be 200. Exactly. And that'll be still good. Good test match. So uh, yes, I'm looking. I'm, I'm go- coming back to your question, Ajit. So I'm going to go with uh, South Africa win again. Uh, I hope there is a closer fight, but I don't see that happening. I don't okay. see that happening. No. I agree with you. Unfortunately, I have to agree with you there. And I, unless really this is the nadir that Pakistan team needs to reach before they start fighting back, because they will. They are, they are very famous for that. This might be the Connor Tigers coming out. Mm-hmm. If that is the case, that will be fantastic. Let's let's I hope. Would love that. that. I would love to see that. Uh, because look, their bowlers deserve to win a Test match here. They have done really well. Mohammad Abbas sort of felt his way in, but. I think now he's set up nicely that if he gets to play, he's able to uh, make enough of a contribution towards a victory. Amir is bowling with enough fire that he's able to, I think, uh, give you some results. And mm-hmm. Hassan Ali needs to come back, I would say. Again, Shahin Shafridi, they chose, that was one of the weird things for me, that they chose to retain Amir. And uh, yeah, Hassan Ali had to go out. That was very weird for me. Hassan Ali deserved his place in the second but test. But Amir got four wickets in the first innings. Uh, yes, yes, no, he has proved himself. Then why don't why not yeah. get this young guy to sit out, the youngster in the team to sit out and give? Mm-hmm. Yes, continue to have. Uh, and Yasir Shah was ineffective. He didn't get any wickets. He was. Uh, I told you it was wrong that he could not be rested or he could not be. Maybe yeah, maybe this was a test match. Look, the opposition had four fast bowlers. This was a test match where he could have been. But the thing with them is, what I see in this test, in that team, there are no, there are no bowlers. I think Fakhar Zaman will be, will have to be the guy, or Azhar Ali will have to be the guy. Shan Masood did a good job. You know, he was yeah, just, surprisingly, got even a wicket. He even got a wicket. Well, so. Markram the way Markram was dismissed was very unfortunate. That, that would have gotten anybody out. It was a terrible ball. The ball never bounced above ankle high and just hit the middle of the middle. So it was unfortunate. So. <clears throat> But uh, for me, they don't have enough people who can take a 
couple of overs off when the fast bowlers needed a break. That might be the other issue. So they needed yeah, Yasir Shah. But you are right. He was not very effective. He did not have enough of enough of a contribution at all in the series. So uh, I don't know if they'll be a bit brave in the last one and go with an all-pace attack simply because mm. the pitch might be like a green pitch, not very far from the outfield. <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, just looking at the scorecard of uh, South African first innings, uh, mm-hmm. I see that Mohammad Amir and Mohammad Abbas bowled 30 odd overs, while Yasir Shah bowled only 21 overs. So he was really not used as yeah. uh, a strike bowler. You know? No, no, not as a like holding. Said, yeah, so holding bowler where he bowls 35 and the rest bowls 20. Like Hanuma Vihari. Well, Hanuma Vihari was strangely effective. I don't know if you know yeah. this. He was always effective when he was brought on to bowl. He did the job that was prescribed. So there's this famous passage where uh, Jim Maxwell asks Bogle, what is he saying, man? He's always chattering, yada, 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 yada. What is he saying? He's saying, Vihari uh, was bowling and Pant was saying to him, keep it there, keep it there, keep it outside of them, keep it there, keep it there. He was just making sure there was a lull in the game. The batsmen are not going to get any runs. And all the balls were outside off, well outside off, you wouldn't be voided. They were turning away sometimes, sometimes not. So, he was strangely effective and that, that nearly resulted in a catch at slip which was dropped by Rahane, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Let's come back to South Africa. So, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. So, at the end of the day, I would say South Africa has to take the series. Yeah, right. But uh, just looking at the injury list, Markram and Amla. Amla seems to have been injured while batting in the second innings. I think that's a bit of an ice pack thing. Yeah, okay. I, I haven't so. heard any, I haven't read yet any, any major, something like he's ruled out or some such, right? Mm-hmm. So, I would say, well... Uh, this is an interesting thing. I just opened Cricket for home page and I see Sarfraz is saying bowlers were not up to the mark. Very interesting. Okay. Very interesting. I'll have to read this and more importantly, I'll pay a bit of attention to what the Pakistani media has to say after the dispatch. So, we'll see. All right. Now, the last uh, thing uh, for me in the ongoing series perspective is the two one-day internationals that have happened between New Zealand and Sri Lanka. I would like to quickly go through that. That was a very... Sure interesting series so far because there have been two results. Sri Lanka have lost both but I don't think they need to be ashamed of the way they played. So in the first test, uh, first one day, uh, Jimmy Nisham came back. I think he took some wickets and he hit five sixes of Pereira in the 49th over or some such. So he made a barnstorming return to the team and uh, New Zealand ended up with 370 odd. Right, So that was never going to be a match that he would win easily but Sri Lanka did their bit. They came to 320 and they fought mm. hard. So that was good. Right. So in the first test, uh, in the first one day, uh, I think uh, first of all, I think uh, Guptil sort of laid a platform. He played for a runner ball 138 or some such, and he was mm-hmm. supported throughout the order. And Jimmy Nation came out and just put an icing on the cake perfectly. Right. Yeah. And then uh, and, and, uh, Pereira was unfortunately he was bowling really well and up until that point until he gave away 30 odd runs in that last over of uh, his. Then I think uh, I think Kushal Pereira hit a fantastic counter-attacking innings of 102 in the first one year. And Dikwella had a good start in Gunatilaka. I, do, I was always wondering what is Gunatilaka doing in this team. He did not look the part in the test series, but in the one day he's proving his point. He's playing well. I think he did well in both the one day so far. And they batted well. They came to 326 and they were all out. So that, that, that's a good match for me, right? I think Malinga has brought in something. He's also the captain of the team and he's able to inject this fighting spirit. I like that. That was sort of missing. And um, New Zealand looks very complete in their performance on the pitch for me. What do you I think? I think they will be quite a strong team in the World Cup. 
Exactly. They this have is a lot of these utility players like Colin de Grandholm, yes. uh, Jimmy Nishim, uh, exactly. also to some extent Saudi who can uh, you know throw the bat around a bit yes. and also bowl fantastic uh, line and length deliveries. Swing. Even that Saudi for swing, yeah. They're going to play in the England. Yeah. I think they have a lineup to complete as far as bowling is concerned. Mm-hmm. Let's not discount the spinners. Ishwari was very good in the second ODI. Okay. You know, sort of 40 for 3, 40 for 50 for 3, what he had was very good. And he mm-hmm. got talked a bit in the last two hours by Pereira. That's spoiled his figures. So coming over to the second one, again, here, uh, they played out really well. So it was, did not, what I saw is a contrasting set of performers. Colin Munro had an 87 and Taylor had a 90. So Taylor is sort of correctly setting himself up for what could be a very well a swan song for him when it comes to one day at the end of World Cup, but maybe not. I think he can contribute a bit more in tests, but one day maybe he might call it a time, call his time on one day let's see, but he's getting up very nicely here. Then Nicole sort of had this Najati 30, and then Nisham again hit a 60, so they got to 320. Unfortunately, the only uh, sore point for me was that I think Taylor sort of ran out Munro, and Munro had a chance to get to 100. But, yeah. okay, so by, by the by, there but... were four runouts in that yes. He himself was afterwards. Taylor himself was <laughs> But that was sort of a, just a run out from a good throw from the deep rather than a miscommunication. But yeah, that happens. So they did well, I think. And then Sri Lanka were dead. They were buried. So Gunatilaka had a 71, but there was nobody supporting him apart from Mendes with a 20 or some such. Then in comes Pereira. I think this is a long, long overdue innings. This guy has the potential to be uh, out and out complete all-rounder in a one-day or a T20 setup. He was never doing enough with the bat. But in this innings, I think he showed what he could do. He nearly won the match by himself. 140 in 74 with 13 yeah. sixes. I mean, a strike rate of 190 in a one-day international. At score by scoring 140 is, is like miraculous for me. Yeah. If if he had taken this Sri Lankan team home in the second one-day, I, I would have considered that probably a top five one-day innings of all time sort of a situation. You know, chasing 320 in alien condition. My God, the way he was hitting, it was always like he was going to get out any point in time. But he never stopped. That's the thing. He kept going, kept going. And I don't think it helped that New Zealand dropped six catches. I don't know if you saw the highlights. No, I didn't see that, to be honest. So, New Zealand dropped six catches. And there were six different people, including Kane Williamson. One of his catches looked like that was it. It was Pereira. Unfortunately, he parried it over the boundary for a six. He was on long off or long on, if I'm not wrong. So, all those. And then uh, Guptil dropped a catch. These are all like bankers in the team. They never drop catches. So it was weird to see a New Zealand they, they had three overs remaining, right? Uh, Sri Lanka, they couldn't play out the 50 overs. I think if oh, they had played uh, out the 50 overs, they would have won it. And Ferreira uh, was the last to uh, get out. Look, they, they, while chasing 320, they were 9 down for 254s. Yeah. So it, it was never going to go the distance. I was sure of that. So either it would end, end in the next 5 to 8 balls with him hitting 3 more sixers, or he was going to get out. Because uh, Nuan Pradeep, I don't know what he can do. He can probably get you a single. I don't see Pereira pacing himself out like that. That's the whole point. So that's why he's not as effective as he can be because uh, at any other uh, player at that point in time would have said, you know what, I'll take a single off the last ball of the over and I'll keep it in the last over. This is where I would I would uh, always commend something, somebody like Dhoni. He, his tactics may not have been always appreciated, but that's what he used to do. He used to try to score. If Dhoni were in this situation, exactly like Pereira, in the same form and the same number of runs behind him, India would have won the match. Because what Dhoni would have done is taken it to the last over, scored one boundary in each of those three overs, 
right? Mm-hmm. And you leave yourself 15 in the last hour. I think he's done it one or two, once or twice, right? But scoring. I've seen it do in. Uh, I think he did it in once in Caribbean. I remember that. Exactly. It was so amazing. You would back yeah. himself to do that. Then you lose with, by seven runs. It's a bit heartbreaking, but it's so much closer, so much more realistic that you can win from there. Pretty deep, yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, uh, I, I didn't see Pereira doing that. I, he was swinging for the hills, man. He was swinging all the time. And I think he was hitting them cleanly. That was the other reason why he was swinging. And uh, unfortunately, he got out. That's that. That's that. But a fantastic series. I did not expect that the series would be so competitive. And uh, Sri Lanka would really throw down the gauntlet for uh, New Zealand. And it's unfortunate that they couldn't win one of these matches. But let's see what happens in the third one. Uh, anything for you to add from this one-day series perspective? Um, no, not really. I think uh, we discussed most of the things. And uh, about New Zealand becoming one of the uh, frontrunners for the Indeed. World Cup. Indeed. Yeah. For me, them they will be in the semi-finals at least. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're right. You're right. So, I'm hoping... I'm, I'm one of those people who supports the underdog. So, I'm really hoping this New Zealand team will lift the trophy in 2019. Even at the expense of India's... Uh, team. Oh, they are able to lift the trophy. They deserve it. Mm-hmm. They, this is probably a golden age as as uh, many as golden ages. They have got this might be the peak of that. And they should convert it to a trophy. Mm-hmm. They always semi final, final, last final. They lost to Australia. So this time I'm hoping they are able to lift the trophy. Let's see. And, yeah, and Sri Lanka will need to. Yeah, I think they have to re- reinvent themselves. No, uh, so, look, they are always there. The skill set is there. They are always a bit. Let's say there are these mercurial players and sometimes it's not all uh, technique that's been grooven in like uh, nets and stuff. They are sort of mercurial and they have this own technique and own way of playing and they should back themselves to do that. It's fine. This one-day series, if anything, should have shown them. That's what they should have done right through the last year or so. They are also in a trough. It's very easy to say they are in a trough, mm-hmm. but it's an extended trough. Mm-hmm. If they are to get out of it, the only way they'll be able to do it is back themselves Play the Sri Lankan way. Don't think about playing the English way or the Indian way or the Pakistani way. Play the Sri Lankan way, which is you have these mercurial players playing, coming out of nowhere, hitting. For example, Kusal Pereira's 100 in the first innings or first one day or uh, Pereira's 100 in the second. It, that's what it shows. So yeah. back your bowlers. Be truly your uniquely Sri Lankan and you get the results. This is my okay. takeaway at least. Okay. Okay. So, uh, that's mostly uh, quite a lot of things we discussed. We've, I think, gone well into the 80s, the number of minutes. But... Quickly to wrap up some of the other ongoing uh, events, I wanted to discuss in detail the Australian ODI squad versus India, but uh, if I were to quickly summarize, first of all, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I think the main highlight here is Peter Cyril coming back into the team. That's a good I don't one. know what uh, was the reason behind it. I, I still don't understand why they would do that. They should have Included, uh, is Jai Richardson uh, in the team? Yes. Jai Richardson, is that his name? Okay. Yes, he's there. Jai Richardson. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Good then. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. Go for it. Firstly. No, no, no. It's, it's yours. So, I would say, I read somewhere, they have 26 players in the last 11 matches. Right? Effectively. So, including India series. So, they have listed out the teams. So, for me, I have a reason why. Look, the core of the team has been shaken up a little. Five people have gone out, which is weird. But... I think they are sort of still experimenting getting the last, let's say the 15 people they want to identify for the World Cup, right? That's where, uh, for me, Seidel comes in. He's been now a proven performer in this BBL and I think in also in their one day, uh, like the domestic one day tournament that they played before that, he's been a very good finisher as far as the end of the innings comes, right? 
that's why they want to bring him back into the setup i see this no more than a temporary move with the world cup in mind that's all i don't see it as a resurrection of his career and he'll play another two three years no but more like with the upcoming world cup with his experience of already playing in england and with his experience of playing previously speeder settle might be the right sort of a guy to have in the team look come the world cup who would be your fast bowlers right mitchell stark will play uh, josh hazelwood will play pat cummins may also come into it right depending on how their injury is then you would need a guy who's sort of stable with hazelwood that's where yeah. and it's a chance you could play three fast bowlers easily right and for me pat cummins and mitchell stark will be used very sparingly they'll be used as pure spearheads you play one match he plays the other sort of thing right mm-hmm. then these two guys could be sort of the bankers or the holders in england you play with five three fast bowlers minimum right then you have marcus toynes who can do a bit of bowling and there are other people in the team right who can sort of do this that's how that's what i'm looking at and then um for me yeah i thought some of those people krislin not being included was a bit weird because i still see him in the bigger picture and uh, peter hanscom being included was a bit of a surprise usman khwaja has been brought in again with the same thing in mind with the world cup in mind this is what i see he's i told you he's their best batsman in the series probably in the test series and they want to first of all continue the form and see if he can make a place for himself there even their one day top order sort of unstable so they want to see if this guy can provide a bit of stability right that's the whole point so that's my take on it so moving forward in the icc women's uh, awards at the year at the end of the year were you able to look at that uh, not not to a large extent now but no. I, i recognize that only smriti mandana was voted the best odi player was that so and also the icc women's cricket of the year so that was very big for me look this is sort of uh, very important that uh, this shines a light on uh, the indian women's cricket this has to happen i think we are not very far off from a place where we are able to uh, have a, an ipl for women it should happen i've been sort of talking about this for two years already now and uh, this puts more spotlight on the indian women's team and i really like that so she was not only voted the odi player of the year but also the best player the women's cricketer of the year so this is only the second time it's the rachel heho flint award the latest women's player award so uh, she is the second one it was started in 2017 and she is the second to get it that was great also harman preet kaur's contribution has been uh, sort of recognized she was named the captain of the icc women's t20 team of the year and these two are the people are along with a couple others who are playing in the bbl right now the women's bbl right so that's fantastic so it's time i think for bcci all this is showing them that they are in a position that they should have a t20 tournament for women as well we could consider it when it can be done whether it should happen parallelly with men whether it should be done separately whether it's a very small one a 15 day window right all these are just logistics that you have to work out but for me the indian cricket indian women's cricket especially is ready for a t20 tournament right Uh, they could keep it small enough that uh, enough players come in and look the indian uh, or the women's cricket calendar is not stock uh, full of events so that there is no window or some such what ipl is facing there's no such thing so they should just take it if if it happens in july you should do it if it happens in december you do it whenever is possible in the indian conditions it's only a t20 you should be able to take it on so this is my opinion and this is the thing i wanted to bring forward in this let's say point so going further another nice thing for me is um afghanistan qualifying for the 2020 world t20 cup 
directly based on the ranking. So they are the eighth team right now in the world that puts them ahead of Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. That means they qualify directly. This is a fantastic, fantastic achievement from the team. I would like to congratulate the Afghanistan team. What are your thoughts mm. on this? Oh, truly deserved, I think. They have been the most consistent uh, T20 team, uh, not considering India, of course. India and Pakistan, they have been there. But uh, amongst those three teams, Afghanistan, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, I think they have been more consistent. Of course. And Amazing their performance on... in the Asia Cup last time around. They are showing overall their growth is happening. See, look, it has to happen in a T20. It's easy. One day is easier. Test is the toughest, right? So they were blanked very easily by India when they played in two days. But that's okay. That's just an awakening for them. But what they're showing is, look, if they were to take this advantage, the attitude that they take to T20s, they're able to take into one day and win. If they're able to replicate the same attitude in tests into, uh, from one day into tests, they'll become competitive. They'll play a third, fourth day as well. And then maybe mm. they still lose. It's fine. But mm. that's, that's the thing. I see this growth, tremendous growth in Afghanistan cricket. Now they have their own first class setup as well. Right? So mm. they're the coming team for me from Asia, uh, you know. And this also shows how far behind the pecking order Sri Lanka and Bangladesh have fallen. You're right that uh, Afghanistan has easily leap, leapfrogged them. And they beat Bangladesh 3-0 in a T20 series this year. So that's how far ahead they are. So they deserve to be uh, qualifying directly and their ranking is well-deserved. And Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, uh, we know Sri Lanka is going through a trough. We discussed this. And Bangladesh are as mercurial as any other team out there. Yeah, they're not consistent. I think that's the problem with them. That was a shocker for me. The 3-0 defeat from Afghanistan was a real shocker because yeah. Bangladesh still has most of their core team, Mahmudullah, Mushfikur Rahim, Shakibul Hassan, Tamim. Yeah. All of these people are still around, these four or five really big names. And they were not able to win. That was very that was very telling for me. I so, think I think the, the telling difference is Afghanistan have more hunger. Exactly. So and they, they, they don't have any, everything on the silver spoon. So so they, they need to work hard and they, they know what uh, they need to do. I mean, I think really passionate uh, people in that team there. They are really passionate people overall, in general, from that region. Mm. And it shows, it shows the way they play the cricket and the hunger that they want to be the best in the world. You know, I was listening a while back to one of their ex-coaches who sort of was uh, let go when they sort of were on the cusp of ODI hood, ODI qualification status. Because, or I think just after they qualified, they, Afghanistan chose to invest in more international uh, coach. He's a local Afghani. And the way he speaks gives you the intent that the team brings in. And he says, if I were the coach now, they would be fifth or sixth in the world in ODA. He's so confident and he's so guaranteed in the way that his methods work. And I like that, right? So uh, they went ahead with more international pedigree coaches. That's fine. But what I like is the attitude that I see there. So I hope their cricket uh, is able to go into more... uh, and the results also translate into that uh, in the upcoming uh, months and years. So, yeah. good luck to the Afghanistan team. So, the last point I would like to talk about today is uh, Mashrafe Murtaza's victory in the Bangladeshi elections. Have you been following this? Uh, not much. I know, I know that he now became an MP, right? I mean, uh, how, how old is he? 35? He's almost at the end of his career, cricketing career. So, he's going on to another career now, political career. So that's a very nice transition. So for me, sort of a good thing. Also, let's not forget, he's one of those guys who's actually seen the world, who's traveled the world as an ambassador of Bangladesh because he's a captain of the team, right? So it's sort of a very fitting sort of a thing to do. And in our in our part of the world, we like we like youngsters to get involved earlier. And also in India, there's quite a lot of segue from something that is a lot of spotlight, be it film, TV, or cricket, and then you can sort of convert it to a career in politics. This happens. Sidhu did it, right? So, uh, of course, Imran Khan did it very 
clearly and so why not why not this guy and i see that he was a good captain of the team he is a good captain of the team for nothing he has this uh, this burning desire this the uh, famous use the word junoon to mm. make sure his team performs well and i see that that could be translated to something in that region also in terms of the way the people live their lives if he becomes a politician he has a chance and he's a look the, the amount of uh, popularity he has is unprecedented because the seat was called narail 2 apparently that's the seat from which he fought and he had a 96% vote in that constituency wow that's that a comes, landslide i mean there the other people can just stay at home and they don't even need to campaign what is this some sort of a joke i'm wondering because i don't expect any rigging so it's it's that's how popular he is so when you have that sort of popularity and he's fighting from awami league which is the one of the main parties out there right so that's well done him and i'm hoping he also makes some uh, real changes as far as it might happen over time you know there are also south asians there's a lot of bureaucracy and other things <coughs> there. but maybe he's able to translate some of his attitude also right. to effects uh, it took uh, imran khan 25 years or more in politics to get it to become the prime minister right so i'm hoping this also translate into something long term and he's able to make a contribution that way so reminds uh, me of uh, arjuna so, ranatunga yeah sorry uh, yeah 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 it's also yeah. good example yeah excellent example so hmm. but that's a different uh, example yeah. i don't have the most let's say a positive opinion when it comes to the um, cricketing uh, ruling elite in sri lanka the cricketing administrators of sri lanka so it's unfortunate and when it comes to ranatunga there was an unfortunate event that happened where he had to be escorted out of a factory through like uh, commando protection because he was afraid he was going to be assassinated when this political crisis was happening in sri lanka recently so that's another thing altogether let's leave that out because the people were so hellbent on killing him apparently because Uh, one of the workers got killed in the factory or some such so it's, it's, we'll pass it out on the side sir yeah but nonetheless that's a good example of another south asian converting his cricketing success onto a political career right so good luck to murtaza and good luck to bangladeshi people because i think uh, he can bring a right sort of a message there mm. all right. right any other thing you want to discuss today giri i think we've covered a lot of topics starting with ah, india yeah. australia pakistan South Africa. I think we are very close Africa. to the 100 minute mark as well. So that, yeah. that's a very comprehensive one uh, for you to present to me. But that's also no, but that's also due to the fact that we've had so many uh, cricketing events going on in parallel. Of course. Uh, so it's 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 good. I think it will come down a little bit in the coming weeks. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, uh, it's been good. I mean, it's it's a well spent one and a half hours. Bit, I I think. So, uh, we'll do a bit of editing on this and let's get it up. Thanks a lot for your uh, input, Giri, and thanks a lot for your participation. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Keep listening to the Answer Cricket podcast, and until the next episode, it's a goodbye from both of us. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.